0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Join more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and Scorenorth.com.
2: And welcome in to Purple After Dark. That's right, we're back. No no Mackey. He's traveling. So Zolgad, executive producer, Declan Goff, and of course the star of the Purple After Dark show on Tuesdays, our guy, our friend. Realistic Randy, who, who, if he doesn't get his fill of talking Vikings and utter disappointment on his own YouTube channel, gets to join us each Tuesday night at uh, 11 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Pacific, uh, throughout the country and the world, talking Vikings football. Um, Brought to you by our friends also, Surly Brewing. Enjoy a, a Surly. It's delicious. I particularly like the Furious. And we also want to thank our friends from TCL, Enjoy more with TCL. That's where you should watch your football on a TCL television or Mackie Judd and guys like Realistic Randy. All right, my man, I want to turn it over to you because we, I think, were optimistic a little bit last week and we saw that the Vikings beat the Seahawks and we all sort of said, well, the Seahawks really aren't that good. But you know what? We're not going to rain on the parade that was uh, a game in which the Vikings trailed and didn't look great in the first half and came back like gangbusters in the second half. And then they played the Cleveland Browns and they scored on their first drive, realistic. And we all looked at that and we said, Whoa, that scripted drive was nice. I was tweeting about how great it was from Kubiak. Um, the floor is yours now to speak on what
0: happened for the rest of that game. Well, you mentioned it. We were a bit optimistic before the season started. And Judd, if I'm not mistaken, you and I both had the Vikings finishing this season 10 and 7. The way that they've dug themselves into a hole so far, one and three. I mean, they're really looking more on track to finish seven and ten. Two things I thought would be true. Number one, I thought the Vikings would have a competent offensive line. Number two, I thought the Vikings would have an elite defense. Neither of those two things have come to fruition. The offensive line, still a train wreck. I'm tired of talking about it, but here we are. Mm -hmm. Brian O'Neill, he's great. Oli Udo, he's had his ups and downs. His ups have been fantastic. He's made some great plays, but then there have been other times where he's had brain farts, inexcusably getting turned around. But I'm going to chalk it up to this is his first year as a starter. I think there is a lot of upside with him. Mm -hmm. From that point forward, besides the left tackle, because you're waiting for Christian Derrissaw to play, I think he should play this upcoming Sunday against the Lions. He's a full participant in practice. But Garrett Bradbury, I don't blame the Vikings for still or at least starting the season with Garrett Bradbury as their starter. You want to give a player three years to see, okay, what is this player all about? Third-year man out of NC State. But where I do fault them is, and this goes on Rick Spielman, is there was no true contingency plan to say, we want Garrett Bradbury to step up and be great. but. On the off chance it doesn't work out, we need someone that's going to be the next man up. And I'm sorry, Mason Cole doesn't do it for me. He's a Band-Aid to the Garrett Bradbury situation. And I'm on record. You could have addressed backup center through the draft. I'm on record. I don't remember if it was a mock draft that I did or a Vikings big board. I literally said a guy that I like for the Vikings is Josh Myers out of Ohio State. And so far this season, four starts, zero penalties, zero sacks allowed. He's been great. You want to know where he got drafted to? He's in the division, the Green Bay Packers. He is the Green Bay Packers starting center. They love him. That's a missed opportunity for the Vikings. And Ezra Cleveland, I, I just, he's an offensive tackle you forced him to play guard to go up against some of the strongest dudes in the National Football League. And I just, I hate this musical chairs of switching guys around on the offensive line. Do, 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 do. If you want a guard, just draft a freaking guard. Why is that so hard? I, I just, the center and left guard spots, that has been a self-infliction caused by the Minnesota Vikings. And then the defense. Let's talk about it all the resources they put into this defense. Right now, through the first four games of this season, the Vikings are the 25th-ranked defense, 18th against the pass, 25th against the run, which is really unacceptable. We, we talked about, and I know Michael Pierce, he's get, getting an MRI, but even when he was playing and Dalvin Tomlinson is playing and you have Daniil Hunter, I mean, they're still giving up over 100 yards rushing per game. How is that possible? I've never had a bad defense yet. The last two years, this year and last year, have been pathetic. 21st defense, 21st ranked defense in the red zone, 11th in scoring, which sounds great, but it's, it's hard to really tell because I'm sure it helped out only allowing 14 against Cleveland this past Sunday. But if we want to keep it all the way 100, the Vikings defensive player of the game on Sunday was Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, the amount of <laughs> wide open targets that he missed, yep. if he simply hit those wide open targets, Cleveland would have beat the Vikings by two or three scores. So th- this is just this is just a terrible situation that the Vikings are in and the schedule doesn't get any easier. So it, it it's it's one of those things they're going to beat Detroit and then I talked about this last week. You mentioned it. We we're not going to rain on the par- parade. They beat Seattle the week before, and this is great. Ride the wave of positivity, but I talked about this. When everyone believes in this team, when Good Morning Football is praising the Vikings, rightfully so, after an impressive win, when everyone's saying, you know what, this is the Minnesota Vikings, oh man, they they are going to be, if nothing else, a tough out. That's when everything falls apart for this team. They're one and three. The schedule gets tougher after Detroit next week. Where do you start? with this team.
2: Oh boy. Um, Here's where, here's where I start. I think what you said about the defense is the most important thing. This defense is supposed to be fixed. Like it's supposed to be fixed. And, and I'm tired of this. Well, they're, you know, it's going to take some time to to gel. Michael Pierce is hurt. And I heard today and saw a report. This might be long-term too. So he might be gone for a long time. And so now this nose tackle that you signed to the big free agent contract back in March of 2020, Randy, is going to be out for an extensive time after opting out. Dalvin Tomlitz in the last two games has graded really well in PFFs grades. But like if you watch the games, it's not the run defense isn't coming close to passing the eye test. I, I didn't expect the Williams wall. But I did expect that we wouldn't see guys going up the A-gap to regularly get three to four yards per pop, if not more, which is what we're seeing, or at least it feels like that. So I guess where I, where I would start is the defense and the disappointment there. Bashad Breland can't play. I, I don't know if he's cooked or the scheme doesn't work for him or what, but, but Dantzler was far superior, and the problem now is, is that he's got COVID, and we don't know when he's coming back. Um, and I really, I'm not sure about you, but what really rubbed me the wrong way was when Mike was asked a couple questions post game Sunday about the run defense in particular. And Mike said, You know, I'm not disappointed. I'm not, I, you, you guys don't know what you're watching. You guys all love your stats, but I'm not let down. Um, Mike, come on, come on. You're trying now, you're trying to save your job. And in my opinion, it looks pathetic. Like, don't tell me you're not disappointed. You said after the Saints game, this will never happen again. And it's happening again. So if there's a conversation to be had here about where this team stands in reality, I think talking about the defense is damn important because I am really let down by it. I'm really disappointed.
0: This is a defensive head coach. And the the crazy thing is, I I hate the excuse of well you know what we played the browns and they've got a nice running attack well so do the vikings while the browns rush for what 184 as a team and okay well you know what it's the browns well the vikings they have a great rushing attack too the browns they held the vikings as a team to under three yards per carry 2.8 yards per carry i'm sick and tired of well you know what, we're going up against a tough team. What about teams having to face the Vikings? Have some pride. And the fact that – and I did see that press conference. I'm not worried about it. You like your stats and all that fun stuff. I I just think it's gotten so exhausting. I've been talking about this situation for now three years. It's so blatantly obvious. And, in fact, going back to the offseason, after the 2019 season leading into 2020, Mike Zimmer, he got the multi-year contract extension. Which my immediate reaction at the time was, well, this is dumb. What, why are you going to do this? But whatever. But let me ask you to this. Dex Judd, you remember the buzzword associated that time after he got that contract extension? You remember? Buzzword.
1: No, I mean, uh, the, the ones that, always, that come to mind obviously were the tweak with Daniil, but I don't remember the contract one. What was that one? Continuity. Continuity, Continuity. Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer.
0: Oh my God! They retain Mike Zimmer for continuity. Which my reaction was, well, that's weak. That that's that's saying to me that we're comfortable. We're not one of the worst teams in the league. So, you know what? He has a semi-competitive, but quite frankly, you're never going to win a championship with that mentality. And it's either that, and or you know what, there's too much risk. If we were to make a coaching change, it could be worse. And remember the days of Brad Childress, Leslie Frazier, that that was just so weak and soft. But the more that I think about it, ironically enough, we want hashtag continuity. That's exactly what we got so far. The biggest problem with Mike Zimmer is that he consistently gets outcoached against good teams. Well, look at the teams that they lost to so far. Arizona, they're red hot. Cincinnati, the jury's still out, but right now, they're, they're a good team. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cleveland, they're a good team. And there's always an excuse. So, and my thing is, I'm so tired of just, now it's just so obviously out there. When the Minnesota Vikings organization, when they wake up in the morning and they look in the mirror, they see this is what their franchise is all about. So now I'm at the point where I'm seriously just like, okay, if this is, how you want to go about your franchise and come up with excuses and, you know, we're just one more year and one more year and you'll do this forever. And Mike Zimmer, you're going to allow him to retire. Basically he will no longer coach until he decides to, if that's what you want to do, then keep doing what you've been doing at the same time. You don't have the right to say, we're trying to win a championship. No, you're not. You're not serious. You're not because it's right there. Eight years. And quite frankly, being a championship contender and Mike Zimmer the head coach are mutually exclusive. Just stop the BS and stop the the words of "this is what we're trying to do." No, you're not. You're comfortable.
2: The weird thing about this entire conversation too is because I agree, and and the Wilfs the Wilfs looked at two things when they bought this team. One is the ability to be good consistently. So you're not awful and then you're good and then you're awful. Uh, But the other thing that they, that, that they, they prided themselves on going for at that time was championships and they haven't come close. And with this current administration, here's, what's weird about it to me. It, you know, they took a shot with Kirk and I'm not faulting Kirk here, but when they signed Kirk, to replace case that was like okay this is the final quarterback piece we can't draft one Rick can't find one which you just couldn't um and so we're gonna sign Kirk Cousins and Kirk is going to play well enough with our at the time great shutdown defense we locked teams down that we are going to win a title and I said you know what okay cool like like I you don't know, love the contract but you're going for it and it's a really hard in this town. Uh, particularly to fault teams that that dive into the deep end of the pool. But, Randy, it didn't work. And ever since then, it's like they don't know what to do, and so they just keep throwing stuff against the wall. We'll extend Kirk again. Now we'll extend Mike. We'll extend Rick. We'll sign, you know, 2020 we're going to draft the best cornerbacks we possibly can, right? Oh, my God, that didn't work out well. 2021, we're going to go sign some veteran cornerbacks. Like, it feels like when they signed Kirk that they really had a plan and it didn't work out. But ordinarily, good franchises pivot off that and they say, okay, what's next? They don't sign Kirk to an extension. They, They then go in a different direction. This franchise, it was like the Kirk idea was their last good idea. And since then, it's just like, okay, we'll sign a Patrick Peterson now. We'll we'll trade Diggs, but we'll draft a Jefferson, but we still won't really use him like we should. And that's the last, so post-2000, basically, 18. That's what's been maddening about this, is I guess my question would be, what's your mission here? Like, what are you doing exactly? Because I used to know, and now I honestly don't know. I'm I'm confused as to if there is... If there's a guiding light here, if, if there's a track that they're trying to be on, I can't tell you what the track is. Now I used to have the ability to at least tell you that it might be wrong, but I could tell you, but you know, I mean, your defense is bad now. So who are you?
0: The excuses have now run out. How many offensive coordinators have they gone through? How many quarterbacks have they gone through? And yet it's been the same situation. Not it doesn't make sense, and I think now it's finally starting to catch up to them because while the rest of the league is getting better and better, the Vikings, they're still running the same old song and dance and hoping it change. That's literally the definition of insanity. I mean, you can even go back to this draft, for instance. You drafted Kellen Mon, and for what? If you're still going to have Sean Mannion on this roster. What, what, what does Sean Mannion do? I really want to know. Why he apparently is the grandmaster to help Kirk Cousins? Everything that I've heard as far as that Sean Mannion brings to the table, it sounds like a coach to me. It, it what, really does. That's yeah.
2: what Mike called. Because
0: him. then when he's on the field, I, mm-hmm. then sign him as a coach. Why did you draft <laughs> Kellen Mond? Nothing they do makes sense when they draft and Oli Udo. That that. The Wyatt Davis thing, I can understand at least Oli Udo starting because he had a great training camp. He was great in preseason. So I understand that whole thing, but no insurance policy for Garrett Bradbury. This was the warning signs were there and they got lazy with it and said, Well we'll just get Mason Cole. I think it's gonna be fine and then Ezra Cleveland playing guard, nothing makes sense. And so now that's why I keep going back to the main point of this is literally now on the Wilfs. I love the fact that they have been hands-off, that they say we're going to pay our brain trust, the GM, the head coach, to run this team. But now it's at the point you have to do something. It's not working. The rest of the teams in the league are getting better. The Vikings, who, honestly, I love this team. I absolutely love this team, but I'm a realist. When you look at the Green Bay Packers or the Kansas City Chiefs, or I mean, right now the Arizona Cardinals, it's oh man, we got to play these teams. Man, that's going to be a tough one. Kyler Murray. What team is looking at the Vikings the last two plus years outside of the Saints in the playoffs and are saying, oh, <laughs> oh, we got to face the Vikings. Oh man, Mike Zimmer—he's really going to give it to us. Like no one's really doing that, but. It's up to the Wilfs to step up because Rick Spielman, I mean, he's been a train wreck. Mike Zimmer, I, I just, it, it just feels like this is going to keep continuing and continuing until the owners step in and do something about it.
2: Can, can I give you guys a stat I saw that was tweeted out by PFF today that, that, um, that takes this discussion to the GM's chair 1,000%. The Vikings have used their rookie class, so their 2021 rookie class, for nine total snaps through four games, okay? The Seahawks are next, 46. The Rams are next, 91. The Titans, 142. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, by the way, returned everybody. So they had everybody back from a Super Bowl champion. So there's a lot of veteran talent, 144. But I'll repeat it. The Vikings have used their rookie class for nine snaps. And I know that the Vikings apologists are going to say, Darius, hurt, Judge. Shut up. You don't know. Um, but but where, I, where I will slightly disagree is Wyatt Davis. Like, what were you doing there? That's a third-round pick. And, and Udo has been good. But let me remind you that that young man had never played guard in his life, as far as I know, until right before training camp, they decided to move him there from tackle. Both of their guards are tackles. Uh, one of that, one of them, I totally get. Okay, there's one guy that because that's fine. But Wyatt Davis was drafted in the third round, and he can't get on the field. Um, you know the mon thing. I, I guess I sort of get in wanting to have, have him learn. But you're telling me four, uh, nine total snaps through four games from your entire rookie class so far. We're four games in. You don't trust anybody. That's not a good draft, like we all and and I'm guilty of this too, and be because I think our problem with Rick's drafts is they're so full of bulk, right? they're so big we're like, oh man, you got fifteen right. guys, fifteen guys is unbelievable now you got twelve guys, but let's take a step back if nobody's playing, what does it matter
1: my my thing I've been There's trying been... to figure out too, Randy quickly, to judge's point to maybe taking a weird stab at Wyatt Davis to what you just said well if you draft Kellen Mond in the 3rd round it's fine if he doesn't start that's not the plan for him to start well then why do you even bring in Sean Mannion what was the point of 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 taking a 3rd round pick on a quarterback who is literally going to be practice squatted for the whole season or inactive I should say for the for the whole season um i'm what i've been trying to figure out over the last four after the last four weeks and you and i talked about it last week about the defense who is now trying to serve who? So in the offseason, was it Zim that went to Spielman and said, get me these guys. I know we have limited resources, but get me these guys. Get me Patrick Peterson. Get me Dalvin Tomlinson. Michael Pierce will be back. Daniil will be back. Anthony Barr will be back. We'll be fine. Or was it Spielman that said, all right, man, well, if you don't want to play rookies, here's what I can do. I can give you these veterans, and, and you plug and play them. You're the defensive guru. You figure it out. But at the same time, I'm going to take a third-round pick on a quarterback and take a guard who isn't ready yet and take a tackle who we are just convinced will be fine even though he just had core surgery and then he's an additional one a week before the season. I'm trying to figure out who was serving who and and, and who is really at fault here and that's where, I mean, obviously the, the easiest scapegoat in, in, unfortunately, the three dragons that are Cousins, Zimmer, and Spielman, the easiest scapegoat and the easiest head to cut off immediately tomorrow if you wanted to is Zimmer because he's the head coach. But it's hard for me to just then say, well, Rick Spielman's at, is completely gets a free pass, and he's been here longer, and it's fine. The organization loves him. The Wolves love him. I, I think they both go. I think they both have to go because both of them literally have served the entire purpose, and both of them have not achieved their result.
2: Mike went to. I, I can guarantee you, Mike went to Rick. That the Christmas Day debacle for, for the defense free agency. Yeah, yeah, the Christmas Day debacle left a mark on Mike that probably probably will will remain w- with him through the rest of Mike's days on this planet. Uh, that had to be the hardest game for Mike to ever watch. His defense got done. They got embarrassed. I mean, Sean Payton, who's his buddy, right? Because they used to match wits, right? They didn't match wits on Christmas Day. They got run. So I guarantee you, Mike went to Rick and said, because there's no way that Rick, in his right mind, I mean, even Rick being goofy at times, would say, you know what we should do? We should sign another nose tackle for the second consecutive march, and we'll just move him to the three-tech, which, by the way, is a very – it's a different position, and it's tough to play. Um, so, Declan, I can tell you right now, this, this is on Zim. But Wyatt Davis is on Rick. I, I guess my question is this. We're not dumb. When they drafted Wyatt Davis in the third round, they clearly planned to plug him in. And my understanding is he came into the mini camps, offseason camps, a little bit heavy. Um, you don't move Udo to the guard position days before training camp unless you're panicked. So Wyatt Davis was the plan. There's no way he wasn't. They They wouldn't say that now. Um, but that one's on Rick. Like that's a third round pick, dude. You just sort of flushed it for now, and you weren't supposed to flush it. So yeah, there's blame to go around. But the defensive thing, Mike got Mike got haughty last year and thought I can develop cornerbacks. It's like yeah, you can develop cornerbacks, but not rookies. You're gonna plug Gladney and Dan. Ago. Yeah, well, and and also, I'm sorry, you can't just draft two corners and plug them in. Like uh, no no coach can just do that. So Mike. Went to the GM and Mike said, "Hey, we got to fix this." But the but where and where Mike is going to get himself fired is, he said, "I'm sure if you fix this with the personnel, we're going to be good," because this team expects to be good. the The internal for for all all the apologists out there right now saying, "Get off Cousins' back, get off this team's back," though they need time. This team internally, we know for a fact said, we are not rebuilding, we're bouncing back, and we're going to contend. And so I don't care if you're losing close. I don't care if you're saying, you, don't, you guys don't understand the football game you're watching, but I do. No, that's a bunch of BS. You expected to be good, you're not good, and you're now panicked and trying to give us spin on why you're not good.
0: Well, and especially, they definitely were going all in for this year because look at the starters on defense, the amount of starters that have yeah. one-year deals with no depth behind it worth the damn the Wyatt Davis thing is I mean if the Vikings up to this point have had no problem moving guys around on the offensive line for years up to this point I mean your left guard situation is a disaster but it's a log jam because then you would be saying okay we screwed up on Ezra Cleveland which that's on you you should have played him at tackle as far as and going back to Rick Spielman you're right Dex he He shouldn't get a pass if Mike Zimmer is the scapegoat, and that's it. We're going to get a new head coach, but we'll keep the GM because look at the trades. Chris Herndon, Yannick Ngakwe, Kari Vedvik. I mean, the amount of – in which case they've contributed nothing to the team, or in which case they gave up super early. They traded for Yannick Ngakwe, and as soon as the sun set, they traded him to Baltimore. Corey Vedvik, that was a disaster. Chris Herndon doesn't even play. It just seems like they're pulling – they're writing things down on pieces of paper and throwing it in a hat and saying, okay, let's pick out and see what we could do here. This season, I, I must admit, I did not see it starting this way. I thought, you know what, they're going to go 10-7. and seven. It's yeah. an odd year. This is Zimmer. He's going to prove everyone wrong. They're going to go to the playoffs and everything. This has been far worse than I could have ever imagined. But at the same time, everything that is transpiring, I'm not really all that surprised because this has been what this team has been all about for years. It's up to the ownership to step up and do something. But if they're going to continue to be hands off and say, oh, we're going to do what we want, don't talk. Tell your social media team, stop tweeting out stuff about how we're trying to contend for a championship. You're not. You're not. Mike said, like, oh, I'm not worried about my run defense. Really? I, I, I love how we, because we're not involved with the team, we're not front office executives, we're not former coaches, we must not know anything. Giving up 184 on Sunday apparently was great for the defense. They're going to bounce back. This, this has been a clown show, and the longer that this goes on, the Vikings have no right to be surprised.
2: I'm with you completely, though, because we did not I, – I thought the same thing. And, look, I still expect if this team is not good, and and now I, I obviously – and we all have our doubts that they are going to be, but there's going to have to be changes made. Like, there's going to have to be changes made. This can't – like, this can't be accepted, uh, and I don't think it's going to be. And then the next question is, off of your point, Randy, is – One, do the Wolves have the gall to make the changes? They've made changes in the past. But second of all, do they have the ability to identify the right people here, too? Um, And that's why why I think they're afraid to fire Spielman. Because I think in their mind, they're they're like, well, we could fire Rick, but oh my God, can we find the right person to run this team? But what they have to understand is they are literally now to the point of ramming their head into the wall every week. Like, they're just going headlong. Um, And it's not working. And so it's this... It's this incredibly frustrating thing, and they take pride in saying, well, we've been consistently good. Well, yeah, but you're good. you are getting—you are now teetering farther and farther away from championship contention, and you are starting to show, I think at least, some cracks in the foundation of being a solid franchise. And you've got a new stadium. You've got a practice facility in Egan that's gorgeous. Like, you have everything going for you, and to, like, allow this now – to fester and become a problem and and you're right the trades aren't good somebody's got to take a long hard look and say this isn't gonna work like we can't we can't continue we have too much going for us to accept mediocrity and sliding backwards which is what i really feel now like we've started to do
0: i feel like The best-case scenario is if the Wolves determine that there is no way this team is going to turn turn it around. Maybe they will, but if they've determined that, okay, this season is a lost cause, you make the firing now. Do what you can to get a high draft pick, but they're not going to do it. If they do make a change, I believe it's going to be after the season ends. To your point about Rick Spielman and, oh, you know what, I don't know, can we find a replacement for him at GM? A message to the Wolf Brothers, if you're going to be scared, sell the team. You are never going to win a championship that way if it's, yeah, Yo, you know, well, we've had Rick for this long, and how do we go about hiring or trying to find a replacement? You will never win a championship that way. If that is the case, sell the team, get it to another ownership group that will have the goal to say, we need to make a change. This, this being comfortable... And, well, you know what? It could be worse. At least we're not the Detroit Lions. Any other team, they will sweep through every nook and cranny to say, if we need to make changes here, okay, is it going to give us a better chance to win? If so, even if we do have a great relationship with individual A or B, we need to do it. It's a business. But if you're going to run it based off of, you know, oh, this guy's like family to me and what do we do? You shouldn't be owners in the first place. All of this talk,
2: gentlemen, do you know what it does? It makes me thirsty. It makes me incredibly thirsty. And when I'm I'm thirsty, I like to go to my fridge. Or right here on my desk, Surly Furious IPA is my favorite. Now, Surly has several great beers that you should try. But the Furious, that's the one that you want to go to your local liquor store to get. Or... At a game. I mean, let's say you're going to watch the Vikings, and you're like, things aren't going well. What could make this day just a little a little more enjoyable? A surly, furious, crack open one. Enjoy the IPA, that revolutionized Minnesota craft beer. Don't settle. Get surly.
1: Also, a shout-out to uh, Moon Motorsports quickly. Judd, too, a family-owned and operated for 50 years. Moon is your Polaris, Can-Am, Honda, Yamaha, BMW, and Ducati dealer. Uh, motorcycles, ATVs, side-by-side, snowmobiles. we got ice fishing season coming up. And uh, I'm going to guess that if the Vikings are going to be 7-10, and 10, well, you get a head start on ice fishing season. So you can go up to Moon Motorsports right up Interstate 94 here in the Twin Cities, right up to Monticello. Check them out. They're family-owned and operated. It's Moon Motorsports in Monticello.
2: Purple After Dark. Um, so, Randy, here's one thing that has occurred to me, and this is a completely hindsight take, okay? So, like, I never so- – I didn't – talk about this previously i didn't think about it because the defense was so bad that i thought well it's it has to be improved now the tomlinson signing was a little bit odd because they paid him a lot after they paid pierce but like as far as going and getting peterson and and those guys it's fine but in retrospect should this team have gone in far more with for instance the tomlinson money on offense Because you think about it. If you had solidified that offensive line in a way where you felt good about it, I'm not saying great, but just good. Like there was no question that they were going to be um, stabilized, I think is the best word. Should they have considered that? Because, you know, this offense has the skill position, guys, to definitely be damn good. I mean, Justin Jefferson, Thielen, we thought Irv Smith, Dalvin Cook, should this team have, should Rick have told Mike, Mike, I'll get you some pieces, but here's the thing. I'm not going to get you a former nose tackle to move to three tech. And in fact, what we're we're going to do there is we're going to go get a veteran guard, take no chances, and our big investment is going to be at guard. It's not sexy, but that's going to give us a better chance offensively because really our bread is now buttered on the offensive side of the ball far more than defense.
0: I don't blame them for how they went about defense in free agency even with Dalvin Tomlinson I get it and that's why going back to the opening monologue when I say well this is the run defense what are they 25th against the run so far yes that's really unacceptable because of guys like Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson I don't blame them for going all in on defense in free agency my thing was okay you need to be you need to keep that same energy in the draft for the offense and I thought I mean we I don't know how you guys felt, but I feel like the majority of Vikings Nation we thought this is great. Christian Darrisaw, mm-hmm. Wyatt Davis, they addressed the offensive line. You have your backup quarterback, your your quarterback of the future, and Kellen Mond. This is going to be great, but they butchered it. They butchered it all together. Wyatt Davis is not playing. They kind of stuck themselves between a rock and a hard place with Ezra Cleveland playing at left tackle. Christian Darrisaw. Maybe he'll play next week against the Detroit Lions. It's just gone. Between the terrible coaching on defense and the players just not producing, what a disappointment that Bashad Breeland has been. We didn't think that he would be the worst cornerback in all of football. Between that and the offensive line, and I talked about this last week, against Seattle, that's great. The offensive line, they looked really good, but Seattle's defense is terrible. Their defensive line is god-awful. How are they going to look going up against a legit defensive line? And they reverted back to earth what we saw against Cincinnati. Ezra Cleveland, the only reason I think he's not getting talked about enough is because Garrett Bradbury is taking so much heat. It's like, all right, okay, Ezra Cleveland, you get a pass here. But if the Vikings eventually do move on from Garrett Bradbury, Ezra Cleveland is going to be that next guy. It is not his fault because they are forcing him to play out of position I don't blame them for how they address defense in free agency I thought they did a great job in the draft but just the way that it's just materialized it's just been a complete 180 from what we thought it would result to be
1: I think barring a miraculous turnaround and I mean miraculous over these next what 13 12 through 12 13 games Grant Bradbury's fifth year option is not gonna get picked up like it's 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 a foregone conclusion they're gonna ride it out and even if he comes here for year four next season that's not even a guarantee. What, Judd? I think they have to make that decision before, like by the league year that starts, right? Is the that fifth is year?
2: That... Yeah. They, well, um, because he's on his first contract, the, the fifth year option decision has to be made. I think by some point in May. Okay. Um, if they're not going to bring him back, they probably wouldn't cut him in March, like because sure. I, I, he's not paid that much. So, right. But yeah, I, yeah. If he is a colossal disaster again, and it's certainly trending th- that way. I don't see how you can, uh, how or why you would bring him back and start him in 2022. It wouldn't make sense.
1: And, and my thing is to to judge point of maybe if you use that, if you allocated that money in free agency instead of Dalvin Tomlinson, or to Randy's point, using it in the draft. Uh, like when I watched the Browns, when I watched that Browns game yesterday and it uh, last Sunday, I should say the, the, my biggest takeaway was it was a boring, disgusting, gross football game. And even though there was a lot to take away from it, and as we're clearly still ranting about it three days, two days later, um, when you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, and I know we had a hobble Dalvin uh, Cook, but Kirk Cousins off to a great start. The fact you were only able to score seven points when, like, Baker Mayfield gifted you every single chance to win that game, and you have all these weapons on offense, and you still get gashed for 190, the Browns look at that and say, ha-ha. Like, we literally asked you to win the game, and we're we're still walking away from it saying we won the game when Baker Mayfield gifted you numerous opportunities. I mean, Baker was god-awful in that game on Sunday. And when you have all these playmakers on the Vikings side on offense, you add a Joe Tooney to the mix, or you add, like, a more competent guard, or someone you can plug and play on the offensive line that either in the draft or in free agency, you probably win that game. You only allowed 14 points. You probably win that game. And I think that's why the sloppiness is what frustrates me because this team is too good on offense and too talented to have a game like that. It's unacceptable. In front
0: of those poor fans too. This fan base is so loyal. They love this team. That's what I feel bad for the most because the energy from the organization has not matched the energy, the expectations from this fan base. They love this team. And going back to the Browns, it's interesting because the Cleveland Browns are everything that Mike Zimmer wants the Minnesota Vikings to be. Tough, physical, run the football great defense. Who's the head coach for the Cleveland Browns? Oh, let's see. Um, the golden Kevin,
2: Kevin Stefanski?
0: Kevin the guy Stefanski. who could have got the job
2: here if Zim had lost the playoff game to the Saints in 2019? Is but, that who oh you're talking God. about? But, oh, my God. But,
0: Judd, it could be worse, though. Oh, my God. Kevin Stefanski, if we let Mike Zimmer go, we, we'll we never see another 8-8 eight eight season again. Wait, we, we can't take that chance. And now, look. His first year, he got the Cleveland Browns to the playoffs in forever. They're probably going to make the playoffs again. It's stuff like that that just really annoys me.
2: Why are the Browns good, though? Like, let's fundamentally start off with why they're good. They are good. Offensive and defensive lines are both great. And, And I will give, as far as building a team, I will give Brad Childress credit for this. When he got here, and I mean, this is not a new football theory, so... but. When Brad got here in 2006, what did he immediately address? Both sides of the football and the lines. Not, not I got a load up on D linemen and a, you know what, offensive line, eh, they can fend for themselves. He signed Steve Hutchinson. And, and I talk about it over and over and over again, but I will never tire of the fact that Brad Childers went out and signed a Hall of Fame guard. And you know what happened? A good offensive line became better. Bryant McKinney became better. Better because steve hutchinson anchored that whole damn thing because he was going to canton um and the cleveland browns have that the cleveland browns have a really good line on both sides of the football and they're mean and they're nasty and it it reminds me of what the 49ers had in the in the 2019 season playoff game when they kicked the vikings asses up and down the field and as tough as Mike, you know, I mean, Zim, tough guy, right? I mean, he's, you know, bristly guy. He's an old school football coach. Um, he doesn't have a tough team and he's never seemed that interested. And and it's Rick's fault too, because Rick could easily step in and be like, Mike, come on. But Rick doesn't step in. And, and I just, that's where I've lost sight of like, what's the mission here? What are they doing? What are they? They've got some nice players, real nice players. Dalvin Cook's a great player. Jo- Jefferson's great to watch love to watch him and he runs great routes and he's a great player but like what's their mission as a franchise to get to a championship because it can't be have you seen our skill position guys and by the way we're building our defense out again that can't that's not your template so this is where I just get really really confused about what they're doing and and it has seemed to me for a few years that Mike and Rick might begrudgingly do what the other wants but I don't think they're on the same page and and that's where randy you're right the only people that can step in then ownership
0: this team is soft oh Start yeah hard. but it they, have been soft for a while they have been but th- that's the thing the amount of opportunities you see kevin Stefanski, he walks away he makes cleveland great mm-hmm. see these other teams building up any other coach that had their hands on these guys jefferson Thielen, dalvin cook Even Kirk Cousins, I know you guys, you go back and forth on Kirk Cousins. Going back to Sunday's game, I didn't like the fact that he did, what, basically a dump off to Tyler Conklin for one chance in the end zone. You should have took two shots in the end zone. But Kirk Cousins, when you put an offensive line in front of him, I get the protection isn't always going to be there, but he's shown when he has protection. He's one of the elite quarterbacks in this league. Any other coach that had their hands on these weapons, are you kidding me? We are going to tear the roof off every single team that we play. This team is soft. It's led by the head coach. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm so exhausted from talking about it and I'm sick of seeing the amount of excuses. I started this at the end of the 2018 season cuz going back to 2017, 38 to 7. That and just to be clear, people think I've always hated Mike Zimmer. That's not true at all. Before the NFC Championship game, I was all about Mike Zimmer. I remember when he got to Minnesota in 2014, the immediate turnaround for that defense. I said, you know what? I think they were like middle of the pack defensively. But I said, okay, I see what's happening here. This this could be something special. But then came 38-7, to seven and I said, you know what? I'm not saying fire the guy, but this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Give him next year. Turn it around. Get back at it. Kirk Cousins, this is the missing piece. You're still going to have a great defense. Let's go. And in 2018, you lose to the Chicago Bears with a chance to make it into the playoffs. Week 17. And then we go beyond that against the Niners. You're right. We were soft against them. 2020, yeah, okay, everyone was hurt. I had a bad defense. Everyone's healthy for the most part this year, and this team is still soft. That's what it is. I'm so sick of this fake tough guy act by this head coach without producing results. He does more of this instead of coaching on the sidelines. We're never going to get anywhere with this guy. So again, if the Wolf Brothers were too scared to do anything about it, then just keep doing what you've been doing. But don't be surprised at the results. What should
2: our our demeanor be a week from today when we gather again with Phil in tow and talk about what I'm sure will be a victory against the mighty Detroit Lions because I was willing to give them. I'm serious here. I was willing to give them the Seahawks game. Like, okay, I'm not gonna get on on here and be like Seattle's awful, but that. So, but you know, if they don't beat Detroit, the whole thing's in, in huge trouble. And because I don't think that they would beat Carolina, then and I think there's a good chance that Mike would probably be dismissed at the bye week. But they're going. But in my opinion, they will beat Detroit. So when they beat Detroit. What should our attitude after that win be? Because uh, I'm going to have a harder time buying in and and selling the light, happy, hey, the Vikings won against Detroit. Um, So what will your reaction be when they win 38-17 to for something like that,
0: Randy? I called it on my YouTube channel. I said they're going to beat Detroit. And what's going to happen is they're going to say, see, we told you guys. You didn't believe in us. Now watch us go my attitude is going to be the same. You did exactly what I thought you would. Now you're going to go up against a team that following week, which I pegged that as a win. Easy Carolina. Are you kidding me? They're a good team. Sam Darnold has been great. Now their offensive line has been pretty bad, but at the same time, our defensive line besides the Hunter, for the most part, hasn't really made plays. That's not a gimme. In fact, That's a team where, okay, if you can beat them and then go raise your record up to 500, three and three, then, okay, then we can start talking. Yes. But guess what? When you beat these easy teams, that's the thing that's always been crazy. This team has always been capable of smacking down on the bum-ass teams, the Detroit Lions, the Cincinnati Bengals before this year, before they got actually good. But the teams that just weren't good, the Vikings, they could beat them up all day long. It's against quality teams where the team falls apart. You get consistently outcoached. You get conservative at the end of the first half. You play not to lose instead of playing to win. The clock management has been downright awful. It's against quality teams where you're nowhere to be found. Everyone that supported you leading up to that game, and it's not even win the game because too many things can happen, just look like you belong on the football field. See, I realize this is your guy's YouTube channel. I was about to say something, so I got to make sure I dial it back a little bit. Make sure you show up on the football field, look <laughs> like you belong. And, the, and he yeah. doesn't. Their, their team does not. My attitude is going to be, great, you beat up the team that we thought you were going to beat up. Right. The lines are awful. Man, Campbell. Jared Goff has been a disaster. What are you going to do against a real quality team?
2: If they win that game and honest to God start talking about you, oh, you guys all, and you guys and gals didn't believe, I will vomit. I will puke. I will be, you know, if you win that game, say, I'm glad we played Detroit and now we're going to go play Carolina and hopefully win because that will be, I I mean, and if they don't win that game, if, and, So if they lose, I really think that there's going to be that they'll lose to Carolina and Mike. That's the only way. But I think that there's a very plausible chance that if they lose to the Lions, that Mike gets fired going into the bye week. Because at that point in time, it's a disaster. And this is not 2020. I think last year they're, 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 they said, well, we misjudged things, which by, by the way, they did grossly. But I think they said, well, we misjudged things and you know, we didn't know really defensively. We thought we fixed it a little bit, but we didn't. And so I think they sort of flushed it and said, we're going to come back in 2021. But if we are then what, six games in and you're one in five again, which I believe w- was what you were last year, um you can't just come back and be like oh it's gonna be fine at that point in time i think mike's gone i think rick stays for the time being but um i think that's the point that you're talking about by the end of the year a house cleaning and by the way too if that's your record be as bad as you can possibly be because the one thing that still ticks me off about 2020 is why didn't you make more trades at the deadline and let it ride out as bad as it could have to get the traffic? You know, that drove me crazy. I hate teams. I absolutely abhor not good teams that don't care that much that do the we'll show you rally and then fall short.
1: I, I do think, though, to counter your point that uh, like trade deadlines and trade sell offs, they don't happen in the NFL at the deadline. They just don't. Now, should teams start doing that more? should have the realization of like, hey, we're one in five. The trade deadline's next week. Let's sell off some pieces. Let's get a couple more mid round picks. Let's take more lottery tickets and do that. Let's absolutely start doing that and have the realization that we're not going to be a good football team this season. Let's start doing it. For whatever reason in the NFL, that's just never, like the trade deadline of all the great things the NFL does, and they do everything and they are supreme, they handle the trade deadline as the most boring one By far. It's not even close.
2: It's picked up a little bit more, though, and they traded. Once you trade Ngakwe, you could have opened the floodgates. Harrison Mm -hmm. Smith, who, by the way, I'm not quite sure is still the player that he was. Harrison Smith, for a draft pick, would have been a great guy to trade. But, But that was, I mean, last year was a year to just let it go. Just let it go. Let it slide, man. Get the seventh pick. Get the sixth pick. Make it easy.
0: I will say in Mike Zimmer's defense, though, when when his back is up against the wall and he knows the pressure is on, he knows that outlets like this right here said, Zim, oh, my God, this is ridiculous this way. Because I will say, the players, I feel like outside looking in, I feel like the players love Zim, at least on defense anyway. I feel like they love their head coach. So I feel like there's some extra motivation there. Like, right now, they're going to beat up on Detroit. Whether they have the motivation or not, I think they're going to beat the Lions. But I think against Carolina, assuming that we're not kissing their asses and they're, they feel the pressure still, I can see them somehow beating that team. But all things being equal, I think they're going to lose that game. I can see, but that's all he has. The yeah, good teams... If you're going if you're going to take that leap, Mike Zimmer himself said, I think this was after getting smacked by the Niners in the divisional round. I think he himself said, I gotta find a way to get over the hump. Yeah. The good teams, teams that are actually contending for a championship, they are consistent in one way or the other. They win games or they're a tough out in losing games. Not looking like you don't have any cohesion, looking like you got together, you signed a team yesterday and saying, all right, let's play football. That has been the problem. So everybody that's been coming at me for three years, you don't know what you're talking about. Mike Zimmer, look at all his defense. Screw his defense. He's the head coach. Is he the yeah. head coach or is he the defensive coordinator?
2: He is the head coach.
0: I, it's getting old. Figure yeah. it out. Produce, win, or get out.
2: And his defense is not good. But but the one thing, so as, as... – As humans, Kirk and Mike have almost nothing in common, but they have one very important thing in common that makes me want to absolutely vomit, and it's this. It's this. They're both the, oh, our backs are against the wall? Now I'll show you. That's not a winning culture. That's not a winning. You go into green. I mean, that spurt last year was just so useless. Oh, we want to come, you know, we're, uh, we're red hot now. We're red hot contending for a playoff. First of all, if they had snuck into the playoffs, they would have been out instantly. Second of all, it cost you a draft pick for you to pound your chest and say, look at how we rallied. And Kirk and Mike are both rally guys. And I don't mean that in a good way, like a plucky, oh, this is a fun team. I've seen teams that have been plucky and they rally and it's fun. Like, like, it's like, this is a likable team. I like this team. This Vikings team, Dex will know exactly what I'm saying here, is very Minnesota wild about four years back. They did the same crap. Back's against the wall. Well, we'll show you now. That's no. No, don't bother. Just go home. Like, if you can't do this, just go home. And that's where last year absolutely drove me nuts. And and if you're going to be bad, just be bad. Uh, because this is this, – and that's – That's the problem. This is not a likable team again now. Like, this is becoming less and less. There are people I like. There are players I really like. But I'm talking about the galvanized team. The team as a whole. The 53-man roster and coach is not a likable team. It's a team that finds ways to screw up. And last thing, too. The Cleveland game drives me nuts because of this. You have to win that game. You're playing a good team, but you're supposedly a good team. You're at home. Baker Mayfield, like, and, and this is the thing that the Zim teams used to do, and this is a complete indictment against the Zim teams now, that building flustered Baker beyond belief because that building can do that. And that's a credit. Yeah. There, there were some, believe it or not, who said the fans weren't loud enough. Okay? First of all, that's nonsense. I was there. Second okay, of all,
0: stadium, yeah.
2: Baker Mayfield was a mess in part because he can't deal. And so you had every home field advantage. You scored first, and you still lost. And that, in my opinion, I know the Browns are good, but that's a must-win home game for a Mike Zimmer coach team that prides itself on defense, and losing is inexcusable.
0: Mike Zimmer has been a waste of time as a head coach. And going back to this is not a likable team, I love this team. I grew up in the Washington D.C. metropolitan area. I identified with the Vikings because of Randy Moss. I love this team. But this team has become one of those things where it's just, okay, yep. like Zimmerman going to get out there and they're either going to win or they're going to lose. But hey, guess what? We're a couple of plays away from being a good team. Oh my God. A couple of yep. plays from being 4-0. It's gotten so ridiculous. And I think the one thing if nothing else that's going to be so disappointing the amount of talent that's been wasted under this regime. You think about 2017 Xavier Rhodes, 2016 Xavier Rhodes, Harrison Smith, Daniil Hunter, Eric Kendricks. I mean, maybe not this year, but before that, one of the best, if not the best middle linebacker in football. The amount of talent, Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs forced his way out. He was super childish about it, but he came out later and said, Look, you want to run the football. This ain't for me, dog. Like, this ain't... You would think with the talent that you have, let's do the best we can. How can we figure out ways to win? And when I hear speeches from last year, this was from Eric Biennemi, and I'm paraphrasing here, but when I hear coaches talk about, I know you're talented. I tell my players all the time, paraphrasing. I tell my players all the time, I know you're super talented, but there are going to be some times where we may have to dial it back to do what's best for the team to win. That, to me, says a coach that is relate- relatable, a player's coach. And then you have this crusty fart that's just, this is my way or the highway. Anthony Barr is the greatest player of all time. He's the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. He literally does nothing. He's just super stubborn. And maybe this year he's been a little bit more lenient in the fact that maybe he's feeling the heat and let's open up the playbook. But it's, it's just one of those things, the amount of talent that's been wasted and the amount of opportunities of other candidates. Kevin Stefanski, he was right there in our building. You know how many Cleveland Browns fans are saying right now? I can't believe you guys let go of Kevin Stefanski. Really? Thank you so much. He's turned our franchise around. But because, um, Mike Zimmer, we can't let him go because, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You remember Brad Childress and Leslie Frazier? We don't want to see that again. It's just this has been a waste of time. I still love this team, but it's one of those things where I look at this team with this regime and say, all right, all right we're going to roll out the tires again, huh? Let's see if it changes. It doesn't, but let's do it. Dex, final thoughts from you?
1: Just win, in the words of Al Davis. Just pull a Raiders here. Just win, baby, win. For God's sakes, if you lose to Man Campbell, heads are rolling. So for, please take care of Man yeah, Campbell. Yeah, but, but
2: but but again, let's dial her back if they do win because I'm not going to come I on agree. and show as real. like, Oh, you, they beat you, Detroit, you, you see? When
1: Kirk told <laughs> me they're back. They're back. You should not have that mindset until basically you play the Lions again. Because out of the bye, you get the Cowboys, yeah. hard game. Ugh. In Baltimore, tough game. In tough. Chargers, yeah. t- hard game. Packers at home at Niners, and then you get the Lions again on December fifth. I love it. Yes. If you want, if you want to come back December second and say, "Hey, told you so," we ran the table, run five in a row against you know five of the top ten teams in the NFL. Okay, you still got a month to play, but I'd say, okay, yeah, you did show us, you did, you take that, but you can't say that until at least December second, and it's October fifth.
2: Yeah, exactly. No, you're exactly right, gents. Thank you. Great stuff. Fantastic. We'll. Uh, well from us not the vikings i mean it's not our it's (laughs) not our fault you're so negative yeah yeah Yeah. yeah, randy why does realistic randy not be more positive why do you hate kirk cousins and zimmer i mean they're my team you don't understand anyway you know what to
0: be positive about
2: those folks those folks aren't for us that's okay we feel the same way about them oh and and uh plug your 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 uh, channel too
0: Yes, Randy. Uh, Realistic Randy. You can Almost just search right. that on YouTube. I do three videos a week. Follow me on Twitter at Realistic underscore Randy. I have an Instagram account. I don't know what it is. Uh, <laughs> you just search Realistic TikTok Randy, Randy. I guess you'll find me. TikTok? Uh, no, I, I, I don't. I, I am 33, but I feel like I'm 78. When I hear TikTok, I'm like, what the hell is that? You don't act 33. I'd pin you more at 40-ish. Yeah, no, I, I feel old. I yeah, you, yeah.
2: Well, and you know why? It's because you adopted the Vikings as your mm-hmm. team. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. This is a youth. That's a youth. If, if you had said 33, you see all this? Yep. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you had just said the Patriots, you'd, you'd
0: look like you were 22. Right. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, that's where you can find me at cool. uh, YouTube three times a week Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and then here on Tuesday nights.
2: We'll talk to you next week. Thanks to the folks from uh, Surly Brewing. I'm Judd. He's Declan. He is realistic. Randy Purple. After dark.